following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Without further ado, I'm going to turn on uh, a clip from a movie uh, called Margin Call, and we're going to uh, discuss it. Please, sit down. Welcome, everyone. I apologize for dragging you all here at such an uncommon hour, but from what I've been told, this matter needs to be dealt with urgently. So urgently, in fact, probably should have been dressed weeks ago, but that is spilt milk under the bridge. So, why doesn't somebody tell me what they think is going on here? Mr. Tolda, as I mentioned earlier, if you compare the figure at the top of page 13... Jared, it's a little early for all that. Just speak to me in plain English. Okay. In fact, I'd like to speak to the guy who put this together. Mr. Sullivan, is it? Does he speak English? Sir? I'd like to speak with the analyst who seems to stumble across this mess. Certainly. That would be Peter Sullivan, right here. Oh, Mr. Sullivan, you're here. Good morning. Maybe you could tell me what you think is going on here. And please, speak as you might to a young child or a golden retriever. It wasn't brains that got me here, I can assure you of that. Well, um, sir, as you may or may not know, I work here for Mr. Rogers as an associate in the risk assessment and management office at MBS. Please, just relax, stand up, tell us in a clear voice what is the nature of the problem. Okay. Uh, well, as you probably know, over the last 36 to 40 months, the firm has begun packaging new MBS products that combine several different tranches of rating classification in one tradable security. Uh, this has been enormously profitable, as I imagine you noticed. I have. Well, the firm is currently doing a considerable amount of this business every day. Now, the problem, which is, I guess, why we are here tonight is that it takes us, uh, the firm, about a month to layer these products correctly, thereby posing a challenge from a risk management standpoint. And Mr. Sullivan, that challenge is? Well, we have to hold these assets on our books longer than we might ideally like to. Yes. But the key factor here is these are essentially just mortgages, so that has allowed us to push the leverage considerably beyond what you might be willing or allowed to do in any other circumstance, thereby pushing the risk profile without raising any red flags. Now, thank you, Mr. Sullivan. Sit down. What I'm guessing your report here says, and uh, give me some rope here. What I'm guessing it says is that 
considering the, shall we say, bumpy row we've been on the last week or so, that the figures your brilliant co-workers up the line ahead of you have come up with don't make much sense anymore, considering what's taking place today. Actually, not what's taking place today, but what's already taken place over the last two weeks. So you are saying this has already happened? Sort of. And Mr. Sullivan, what does your model say that that means for us here? Well, that's where it becomes a projection. But, um... You're speaking with me, Mr. Sullivan. Well, sir, if those assets decrease by just 25% and remain on our books, that loss would be greater than the current market capitalization of this entire company. So, what you're telling me is that the music is about to stop and we're going to be left holding the biggest bag of odorous excrement ever assembled in the history of capitalism. Sir, I'm not sure that I would put it that way, but let me clarify Using your analogy, what this model shows is the music, so to speak, just slowing. If the music were to stop, as you put it, then this model wouldn't be even close to that scenario. It would be considerably worse. Let me tell you something, Mr. Sullivan. Do you care to know why I'm in this chair with you all. I mean, why I earn the big bucks. Yes. I'm here for one reason and one reason alone. I'm here to guess what the music might do a week, a month, a year from now. That's it. Nothing more. I'm standing here tonight. I'm afraid that I don't hear a thing. Just silence. So, now that we know the music has stopped, what can we do about it? Mr. Cole, Ms. Robertson, I'm afraid I think this is where you're supposed to step back in. Lord knows we've relied enough on Mr. Sullivan tonight. What do you have for us? What have I told you since the first day you stepped into my office? There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. Now, I don't cheat. And although I like to think we have some pretty smart people in this building, it sure is a hell of a lot easier to just be first. Sell it all today. Is that even possible, Sam? Yes, but at what cost? I'll have to pay. 
Really? I think so. Where is this going to come back to us? Everywhere. Sam, I don't think you seem to understand what your boy here has just said. If I made you, how would you do this? Well, you call the traders in for the normal 6.30 meeting and you be honest with them, because they're going to know it's the end either way. So you're going to have to throw them a bone and a pretty big one. And then you've got to come out of the gate storming. No swaps, no nothing. 40% done by 10.15. By 11 o'clock, all your trades have to be gone, because by lunchtime, word's going to be out. And by 2 o'clock, you're going to be selling at 65 cents on the dollar, if you're lucky. And then the feds are going to be in here, up your ass, trying to slow you down. Ramesh. They can slow you down. They can't stop you. It's yours to sell. Yeah, but John, even if we manage to pull that off, and that's saying something, the real question is, who are we selling this to? Same people we've been selling it to for the last two years, and whoever else will buy it. But John, if you do this, you will kill the market for years. It's over. And you're selling something that you know has no value. We are selling to willing buyers at the current fair market price. So that we may survive. You will never sell anything to any of those people ever again. I understand. Do you? Do you? This is it. I'm telling you, this is it. All right, that's uh, most of it. That's from the 2011 movie um, Margin Call with um, Jeremy Irons and Kevin Spacey and a cast of others. The question that I would like to pose to you guys is, and, and this was based on Lehman Brothers, is is that correct? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Uh, loosely. Yeah, it, it was, it was um, well, not totally loosely. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Lehman Brothers didn't make it. I guess in the movie, this firm does make does it. Does make it, yes. Yeah. But when we look back, you know, it's been 12 years, maybe, something like that. Um, what have we learned? <laughs> what... What has happened since then? What can we, you know, you guys were, I don't think you were around, mm -mm. but you, you both were. Um, what happened and what has happened since? So, um, well, basically what happened is something that has happened many times throughout history. So I think in the long run, you really don't learn anything collectively because these things keep repeating. <laughs> but since this was relatively... That's, that's comforting. <laughs> since this was relatively recently, you know, uh, we have learned uh, that, you know, sometimes there is this appearance of uh, stability in the market because... 
you know, everything is going on. It's business as usual. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, that stability goes away. And this seems to happen often. We, act, we just had a similar episode back in February, March of this year. Yeah. Where it seemed like everything was going pretty well. And then, you know, the bottom fell off. Uh, back then, uh, this instability was caused by uh, the housing market, you know, mortgage-backed securities, uh, which were basically uh, pools of homes uh, which were packaged together and uh, they were being sold off even though the underlying credit worthiness of the people who were uh, buying these homes was really not perfect. There was this assumption that these are homes. They will, You're talking uh, about countrywide and a lot of the, y- yes, they were the quite, mortgages that they underwrote. They were kind of the big player in that. Right, right. And it it went at every level, you know, there were even banks uh, who were, uh, you know, taking part in this. Uh, They were essentially kind of not fraudulent, but basically giving people mortgages that really shouldn't have them. Right. So there was a certain complacency and that always seems to precede these periods, you know, of, or of crisis, uh, where it, it seemed that nothing would go wrong. In fact, even the chairman of the Federal Reserve at that point, you know, came out in 2006, Ben Bernanke, and said, you know, it's okay, it's contained, it'll be okay. Uh, and uh, all, of, all of a sudden, it turned out that things really weren't okay. You know, the, the assets were not worth what it seemed like there were what there were rating agencies involved that were just rating these assets AAA, even though they shouldn't have. Freddie and Fa- Fanny, the uh, you know mortgage, uh, uh, the GSEs as they call them. That's uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. Right, uh, they were buying these uh, mortgages. Uh, ultimately, they had to be uh, taken over by the government. Well, there was always an implicit guarantee it seemed like, but they were you know the government stepped in and said, okay, we'll take on uh, their. Uh, liabilities. Um, so, what what happened? And um, there's uh, an economist named Hyman Minsky. He wrote many years ago that periods of stability make people take on debts, make people make investments, which seem pretty rational at that point. But all of a sudden, uh, there's you know, over leverage, people borrow way too much money thinking that things right. will, will continue in perpetuity and then, you know, the bottom falls off. Uh, so that's that's what happened and it seems like that's what happened here in this clip that you just played. Yeah, um, if assuming that was Lehman, what, what were you saying there? They were uh, levered 30 to 1 on the, on the mortgage bonds, uh, Lehman was. So they, they had... 30 times the amount of mortgage bonds on their books as they did capital. Right. Right. And so when that's what the point he was making, if you had a 25% drop in the value, then that's where it wipes out all the equity. Oh, uh, would have wiped, would have done more than just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he uh, said it would have wiped out more than the market cap of the company in, in that example. But, and all the major, Firms were huge players 
in mortgage-backed securities. Right, right. I mean, huge. Right. Because the market had grown. You had, um, I mean, the, the derivatives market itself grew just to huge proportions. You had, you know, derivatives on derivatives on derivatives. And so you had the, the bet on the bet on the bet, uh, so to speak. The, the side bet was bigger than the, the game itself, right. if you will. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was one asset, uh, you know, the, uh, a house that you had all this other side business, if you will, derived from that one asset class. And you're asking, you know, have we learned anything? You look through history, Darsh and I were just talking about this, you know, just bubbles in the past. Uh, Jason Zweig wrote an article talking about the South Sea company. Um, <laughs> that was in the 1720s. 1700s. Yeah. yeah. That, that was they were basically selling land they didn't have or something. Well, so that was uh, a monopoly that had the uh, right to uh, transport slaves from Africa to uh, South America, uh-huh. and it was controlled by Portugal and uh, uh, Spain. Uh, it was a British company, and uh, they created this company with that uh, premise, and then there was a big. Uh, uh, you know, they promised very high returns for investors who took part. And then people got caught up in it and the share price kept going up. One of the most famous people who got caught up in it was Isaac Newton, uh, who ended up losing tons of money because he bought it right at the peak. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually the price uh, of the South Sea Company crashed and the bubble burst. Right. And prior to that, you had the tulip mania in the early 1600s. I mean, it's just again and again and again you see these bubbles that build on on some premise or um some asset uh and like adarsh was saying complacency sets in and you get this herd mentality and if you're one on the outside saying you know, okay i'm not taking part in that then you know you it, it's it's human nature to, to take part in, in right. whatever is going on. And that's the really hard thing, uh, on in investing is to go against the crowd sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you have to do it for a long time. Um, yeah. just, you know, you just have to adhere to, you know, certain principles to try to avoid in, you know, the, the clip you were play, playing or, in you know all these other you know bubbles in history you know the the permanent impairment of capital where you have something that you know is is the the hot trade at the time that then drops 90 percent never to recover um, right we saw something like that in the late 90s with internet stocks dot com stocks right um We've seen it uh, back in the 70s, what they call the Nifty 50. A lot of stocks back then ran up and then dropped and never recovered. Uh, I would argue that we saw something similar on an even bigger scale with uh, Bitcoin a couple of years ago where it became a global phenomenon. Everyone around the world started buying Bitcoin. It went from a few hundred dollars to I think 17 or 18,000. Where is it today? Today it's uh, around 8,000. Yeah, but it hadn't been moving much. No, it hasn't. Uh, marijuana stocks. Yeah, marijuana stocks. 
So, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I was saying, Mike, there's a great book about this. It's called uh, Extraordinary Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. Yeah. It was written by a guy named Charles uh, Mackey. I think that was his last name. And right. it talks about how popular these, delusions in the madness. Yes, popular delusions, right? Uh, uh, how these things keep repeating. And there's this factor, now it's called uh, FOMO, which is fear of missing out, mm-hmm. where when you see all your friends, all your neighbors making money and doing well, that's when you know you don't want to miss out on that opportunity. Right. Okay. We will finish up uh, this half hour. We'll go to a break now. And go ahead. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group, coming to you from the Dupree Financial Group studios on Main Street. We will be back in just a few minutes. Real story. Silent crime. We need a police force. Open the schools. Now is surging back up. Jobs closer to the election. Happening in real time. Exactly what happened. This is real life. This is very real. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree at Dupree Financial Group. Are you tired of your financial institution being closed? that the only way you can communicate with your advisor is through a computer? At Dupree Financial Group, we're doing in-office, face-to-face meetings at your option with our clients and prospects. The volatility and uncertainty of today's financial markets is enough, but it adds insult to injury when you can't visit with your advisor personally. Well, with us, you can. For a free analysis of your retirement investments, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings from 7 to 9 on News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and dupreefinancial.com. With delivery from Long John Silver's, you can turn any moment into a treasured moment. Choose from variety platters with fish, chicken, shrimp, or grilled salmon. Visit LongJohnSilvers.com to find delivery near you. Long John Silvers. Fish yeah. Pricing and participation may vary. People-friendly equipment, technology, and service for all of your print communication needs. Look no further. Just whistle for duplicator sales and service. Copy, scan, fax, send, or mail. Your unduplicated professionals can simplify the process with world-class network business machines from Rico and Savin. High-quality office equipment solutions and services and the fairest possible price always for you. That's our commitment. For today and tomorrow. And our commitment continues from our Fast Track Quick Print Copy Center. Our Rico High Speed Pro Series offer convenient copying and wide format solutions for all your needs. Call today, 859-373-0065. Duplicator Sales, Fast Track Copy Service, Corporate Mailing Systems, Rico and Savin. Call 859-373-0065 or... Just whistle for Duplicator Sales and Service. 2308 Versailles Road, Lexington, with offices in Louisville, London, and Elizabethtown. This is the Kentucky News Network. The Kentucky Supreme Court is keeping Governor Andy Bashir's coronavirus-related orders in effect while legal challenges against them continue. The order that dropped Friday afternoon says the governor does have the power to declare such orders during a public health emergency, such as the pandemic. So all of Bashir's current executive orders, including the mask mandate, remain in effect for now. In his briefing later Friday, Bashir said, I'm not excited because that is or could be perceived a win. I'm relieved 
I'm relieved because I've sat up the last two nights not sleeping, worried about how many people would die if we didn't have any types of, of rules in place. Attorney General Daniel Cameron responded to the ruling via Twitter, saying in part, our goal in joining these cases is that the law is followed and the rights of Kentuckians are protected. I'm Suzanne Duvall. I'm Will Clark. This is the Kentucky News Network. Steamy conditions again across the area today, scattering of thunderstorms throughout the land. Any storm that's up could put down some heavy rain and a lot of lightning. Highs into the upper 80s and low 90s. Same forecast going to play us into Sunday and Monday as well. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeart Radio Station. Are you on the hunt for a new job? Head on over to WLAP.com and check out the iHeart Virtual Community Job Fair presented by GE Appliances. Don't miss the opportunity to reach local employers hiring right now without having to leave your home. Find jobs right now at WLAP.com. When you're stressed, you just don't feel like yourself. New Natrol Relaxia, a full line of drug-free supplements to help you manage occasional stress and anxiety. A special blend of herbals keeps you feeling calm and balanced throughout the day. Because when there's less stress, there's more you. Try new Natrol Relaxia. Learn more at relaxiamood.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We started Untuck It to create the perfect untucked shirts. Along the way, we had other great ideas, like super comfortable polos that come out of the dryer looking crisp, wrinkle-free, and always at that just right length. Choose from our traditional PK, easy wrinkle-free, and performance styles that wick moisture, so even when it's hot in the shade, you'll feel cool and dry in an Untuck It polo. Try our famous polos now at untuckit.com or any of our 85-plus stores. Untuck It, shirts designed to be worn untucked. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Are you interested in keeping your business local? At Dupree Financial Group, we don't share a large percentage of our revenues with a big firm in New York or elsewhere that has a corporate agenda that doesn't include Kentucky. And because we keep our revenues local, we are able to invest in our local research and client service efforts. We believe the investment business is best when it is personal and local. For a free analysis of your retirement investment portfolio, call us at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, please be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings from 7 to 9 at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the hour. We've got Philip Sexton, Adarsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, and our host, Tom Dupree. Take it away, Tom. Okay. Uh, Project Syndicate. Understanding the pandemic stock market. Whose story was this? <laughs> uh, that was mine. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, so this was written by Robert Schiller, uh, who yeah. is uh, pretty well known, uh, he's written some books. And there's also an index called the Case Schiller Index, which measures home prices throughout the country. But he talks about what's happened uh, to the stock market really since January, when uh, 
you know, uh, we started learning about this uh, coronavirus uh, uh, virus. Uh, and he breaks it down in three phases. The first phase was January and early part of February, where we knew about the virus. We heard about it. It was happening in China, but there was this there was not really a fear of it where they were like, okay, this has happened in the past or it's contained to like SARS, like SARS. Yes. Uh, it's contained to Asia. It's not going to come this way. So the market kept going up. In fact, there was a lot of complacency. The VIX, which is the volatility, volatility index was extremely low and the market made new all time highs in February. And then the second phase was when the, World Health Organization came out and called it a pandemic. And, you know, cases kept rising. Cases uh, kept rising in Europe. Italy became, you know, this big uh, place where a lot of elders started dying. And then we started seeing pictures and images in the news of, you know, just hospitals without, you know, any hospitals that didn't have enough beds. So that phase, the stock market collapsed, dropped, you know, over 30%, 35% between very rapidly between the end of February and basically the end of March. Um, the third phase is the phase when, you know, the Federal Reserve stepped in and announced all these programs. The Treasury stepped in. Uh, President Trump announced a big stimulus package, almost $3 trillion. They started supporting businesses. So there was a tremendous response, fiscal and monetary. And at that point, we've seen how the market's risen rapidly over 40% in a short period. Yeah. So really in the span of six months, we went from complacency, panic, and now we are back to where we were uh, earlier in the year. Uh, and it's, it's all been driven by, you know, different, there's still uncertainty, but there's, you know, that's basically, that's what the market has done to, during this pandemic. I think too, uh, what we were talking about in the first half hour too, is this, this goes right back to those, those human emotions, those human natures is start out with greed and complacency at the very beginning yeah. where, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not coming over here. And then, well, by God, it made it. And then it turns from that, it flips on a 180 straight to fear and the, the fear of unknown and you saw the fastest bull market happen in the history of right in the history of, of ever fastest bear market uh, too. yeah fastest bear market sorry yeah i was going the wrong way there then you actually on the flip side when the government stepped in and gave stimulus you know it, it was it was that oh okay so you know maybe it's not going to be as bad um then you saw greed start to take over the fear of missing out that you were talking about adars yeah. and you flipped to the fastest bull market yes um you know i think the interesting thing too to talk about is that you know you've got a lot of um sectors and companies too though that yes they they participated in that run-up but you're still seeing you know there was there was people that got stimulus money that put it into the market. Uh, you got these Robin hood day traders, but a lot of this money went to these high flying tech names that, right. you know, is greed upon greed at this point. That's true. If you, if you look at just the indexes, if you look at the S and P 500, it's actually very misleading yeah. because 20% of the indexes, five big tech companies, your Fang stocks and Microsoft. And really when you look at other 
sectors, whether it be oil and gas, whether it be insurance, financials, they haven't really participated in this rally. So the broader market, it's not been a broad-based recovery. It's been a tech and biotech uh, recovery, even though it makes it look like the entire stock market's recovered. Right. No, it, it hasn't. I mean, when you look yeah. at a company like Amazon, I mean, it's up, what, 50% year to date? Yeah. You know, uh, well, and the, the uh, S&P equal weight uh, uh, index is down, I think it's about 8.5% below where the S&P 500 is, which right. is market cap weighted. And so that shows the outperformance of those few stocks because of the market cap of them. Right. What's what's even interesting, when you look at the Russell 2000, which is an index of smaller companies, right. the Russell 2000 is basically where it was three years ago. Yeah. It's just gone nowhere. Mm -hmm. And if, if you look at, like, for example, uh, Apple, um, the valuation. So we're looking at these, and we talked about this some last week too, the, the stocks that are the quote unquote safe place to park money where the valuations have gotten so skewed. And this isn't, a recommendation on any on buy, sell anything on Apple, but these are the, the statistics on Apple right now. You know, if you look at the trailing 12 month PE, the 10 year average is 15.76. Currently it's at 30. The current, uh, PE 26, uh, 10 year average 13. Yeah. Uh, Price to sales average six point three current or average three and a half currently at six point three one. Wow. Price to book is two hundred and forty percent above its ten year average. Price to cash flow is ninety percent above. I mean, all of these valuations, any way you slice it, based on the ten year average of where it's trading, it's expensive. Right, um, and that's what you're seeing in these quote unquote safe stocks or the hot stocks, the tech, um, valuations are just so out of whack. Yeah. Um, and then you look at these out of favor sectors that look much more attractive, um, from valuation, um, you know, dividends. I mean, just, and so it is just incredibly bifurcated market. Right. I, th there is the phenomenon, uh, where, you know, we are seeing a shift in how things are done, you know, I mean, uh, going forward, technology is going to become an even bigger part, you know, of our lives. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Uh, so some of it was definitely uh, warranted, but was it warranted to this extent? You know, that, you know, makes that is very questionable. Uh, but at the valuations today, it's it's a question of what will the return be? You know, how, exactly. how many years in the future are they right. predicting? You know, to get to this current valuations right. because you look at the last time we had a tech bubble you know 2000 it, it, it took what 16 years or 18 years for stuff to get in back. some cases some 20 years cisco yeah. is nowhere close to where it was intel is getting there after 20 years it, intel just got there i think uh -huh. or right close to it 20 years and over that entire time intel did produce profits that's that's right. the, the crazy part you know it wasn't you know a lot of the the, the tech bubble was these companies that weren't even producing profits you know mm -hmm. you're you're sort of like this uh this boom in electric vehicle manufacturing that we're seeing you know yeah. you've got all these vehicles uh what was that one nicola yeah nicola. they're not yeah. even making vehicles right now right you know that that's that's insane to step that's, up right? that's one that my son is trading on his Robinhood account <laughs> oh yeah the the 
technology showed it to me. The technology is amazing in all these things. I mean, Tesla, I mean, that's an incredible, the technology is incredible. They have yet to make a profit. Um, but you know, how far out are you, how much are you discounting to get to the current, current value of this thing? Yeah. Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, that's the thing that a lot of investors right now, you know, consciously or they just aren't aware of it in 401ks, uh, 403bs, you know, if it's just, you know, on autopilot, you've naturally accumulated these higher valuation positions. And that's when it takes, you, you need to take a look at it, reevaluate where you are. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's, that's where we come in. Yeah. Cause we're trying to steer people into things that are more value oriented. Right. And I would also, that if I had to make a prediction, you know, we've had two decades where value stocks have underperformed growth stocks. I think we are getting close to that flipping, you know, where yeah. in the future value stocks would probably do better, you know, stocks that haven't done well, uh, just because there's so much money that's gone into growth and we are seeing these bubble like bubble like situations. <laughs> right. Well, and on, on top of that, you know, three, three days doesn't make a trend, but you know, we've seen, we've seen about three times in the market now, uh, over the past few months where the, you've seen a sector shift out right. of, out of techie names into more value oriented names. Right. This is the third shift that we've seen in the past, what, three months, right. four months, something like that. But this is the first time. You know, you look at Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of, of this month, this is the, or this week, this is the first time that you actually saw big tech names being down while all the value stocks being up in price. Right. And tech earnings are going to come out next week. Netflix announced today, in fact, and the stock was down almost 10%. So we are at that point where once these earnings come out, I think there'll be a realization that, okay, this is perhaps overdone. Well, even if they hit the earnings, they'll go off probably. I mean, right, you know, right. It, it's right. You know, what a buy on the, uh, buy on the, the rumor, sell rumors, selling the news. Sell on right. the news. I mean, the news can't be good enough. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. if it's too good, they won't, they'll still sell it off because it's not driven by fundamentals. Right. It's just like with the Intel thing, even though they were generating profits that entire time. And I honestly think that from an economic standpoint, all of the stimulus is the same principle in that you're reaching out multiple years in the future. Exactly. And you're scraping off layers of growth to pull it into Eating today. your seed corn. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, or like what a, like a car company selling a bunch of cars today to uh pay for uh or to rob them from three or four years production in the future exactly you know running a fire sale exactly it's the same kind of deal versus some of these other sectors that you know they're making money and the valuations are you're you're not paying that big premium and that's yeah. that's what value investing is you know you look at the banks, you know, the banks were reporting their earnings this week and generally they were pretty good. They took yeah. a lot of, uh, reserves, uh, for potential future loan losses. Um, well, that's probably a smart move. And um, from a recessionary, you know, 
comparing this to a 0809 scenario too, and, and we've discussed this in the past on the show, is that you're seeing these headlines of, of bank profits cut in half, mm-hmm. but it's still profits. Right. You know, and, and the profits that are cut in half, the reason they're cut in half is because they're reserving for potential defaults down the road. But you compare it to a, a 2008, 2009, there was no profits to be had in right. those yeah. levels. You know, so from a banking sector, which, you know, your financial sector, which really underpins a lot of things, of course you know, the, the strength there is a is a positive for future recovery potential. Well, the problem with the banking sector is always going to be government intervention, which prevents it from being a real business and turns it more into like a utility. Mm -hmm. And uh, now government intervention has made it difficult for banks to know who is credit worthy and who isn't. You know, who's, who's swimming with no bathing suit and who's got their bathing suit on. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it's, feeding a pool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, when, you know, what, what I've always said is that when they started making the deposits FDIC insured, the banks stopped being a business in, in the sense of other, other kinds of businesses. Yeah. And, you know, uh, well, you asked the Darcy question in the first half. One thing that, you know, I, I kind of disagree with what you said about not learning anything, but I also, I feel like what you see is that a generation learned something because you look at like the Great Depression, you know, and that was a, a that was a financial collapse from companies, you know, not, not residential. Right. Well, moving forward, that generation learned a lot of things and you had a lot of regulations put in place to make sure that it didn't happen again. It's where you got the sec and the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you got the, uh, glass Steagall also. Yeah. Glass Steagall act securities exchange commission. The problem is, is that those people that learned all of that, that were old enough, you know, that were our age, a lot of those people are dead right now. So that didn't get passed on. You know, it, 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 that's the problem is that the the things that you learn doesn't necessarily get passed on from generation to generation. Right. That's why 0809 happens because, well, you get the next group up and they're like, oh, yeah, everything's set up perfect right. and boom. So, you know, from my perspective, I think that, you know, that's why they call those events a once in a lifetime, I think, because, well, you, right. You, right. you know, you and, you and Mike are never going to, see a day hopefully that uh, 0809 scenario happens again and if so you're probably going to be in a nursing home somewhere <laughs> right. well, we, we and i went through 01, 01 and 02 yeah also and that's right. a natural and 87 and, well those are those are <laughs> well, 0102 that's a natural just stock bubble we'll see multiple yeah. ones of those but the you know a financial no, collapse com. yeah but uh, i mean a financial collapse though yeah i think that that's a, a true holy crap, almost killed me. I'm never going to touch the stove again. Right. But the problem is, is ultimately your grandparents tell you not to touch the stove, but you know, when, when they're not around, you're going to touch the stove. Yeah. That's, that's the problem with, I think as a society, we struggle passing information down. You know, a, a prime example is 
Southern cooking. Yeah. You know, you, you, I bet I bet your grandma was a good Southern cook, but you know that that slowly has gone sure by the wayside. Nobody knows how to do it anymore, except Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, hence the saying uh, "history repeats itself" because the lessons of history are forgotten as people die, exactly. as one generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's recorded, but uh, until you've experienced it yourself, reading it from a book is not going to have the same impact. Absolutely, but I, I do think even even you know people that went through the the financial crisis in 08 and 09 i think something like that will repeat itself because it'll morph into something else in the future at, at some point it won't be mortgages it'll be something else that yeah. ultimately it, you know because it, 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 it always stems from some black swan event you know like the the march what we went through in March, mm-hmm. you you did start to see the financial pipes start to clog up, and it wasn't due to you know uh, all this you know der- the derivative markets or anything, yeah. but it, it had to do with something that was totally unforeseen that shone light on these other areas that were weak. Well, it, it cl- and, it, and it broke it. It, it clogged up, but the reason you didn't see massive defaults, massive things like that, that really would have wrecked the system was because, you know, people who live through that, they're like, well, I'm, I'm not diving in on that again. You know, I sure. mean, you, you look at, you know, your situation, you're not over leveraged. You know, right. it, it's you, I doubt in your lifetime, you ever will be over leveraged because it's just, it's a, a lesson that's ingrained in your brain. Right. You know? Waking up in the in the middle of the night, throwing up doesn't. <laughs> you don't forget those days, right? All right, I think that might be a wrap. I think we've covered that one adequately, and so that brings me to the next point. Our goal is to educate, guide, and empower our clients. We'd love to talk to you if you have questions about your four hundred one k, four hundred three b, or just retirement account or you want to start a retirement account, we are open for business. Uh, We're down on Main Street in Lexington, and we would love to see you. Uh, We also will do Zoom calls if you're not comfortable coming in for a Uh, face-to-face. Mask-to-mask. Yeah, um, there is no face-to-face. You're right, (laughs) mask-to-mask. We're happy to, to help you out any way we can. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we're also, our website is dupreefinancial.com. Um, there are all sorts of uh, different tabs where you can learn about us and, and learn about what we do. Um, did I say Facebook? I'm, I'm completely off my game. We, Tom and I were away for a few days this week, and we're kind of getting back in the flow of things on Friday of all days. Um, anyhow, this... Uh, broadcast nothing that it's mentioned uh, we're not recommending any stocks please consult your financial advisor or a professional or for us. well or specifically us too but um, don't take our word for it unless you come visit with us uh, we appreciate you listening today as i said our number is 859-233-0400 and give us a call We'll be here, and we will talk to you next week.
This is what's happening. Many of you do not like the mask requirement. People should be wearing masks. Get the latest. The virus. The virus of American division. Check in often. We will have a vaccine. Russians hack coronavirus vaccine facilities. With News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Are you interested in keeping your business local? At Dupree Financial Group, we don't share a large percentage of our revenues with a big firm in New York or elsewhere that has a corporate agenda that doesn't include Kentucky. And because we keep our revenues local, we are able to invest in our local research and client service efforts. We believe the investment business is best when it is personal and local. For a free analysis of your retirement investment portfolio, call us at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, please be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings from 7 to 9 at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and dupreefinancial.com. 